Hey everyone, welcome back to the Crypto Catch-Up. I'm Pav and with me again is Mr. Tommy. I'm back. It's been ages. It has. It has been a few weeks, man. I've uh, lucky enough to get a bit of a, a trip overseas for the last month. And, but, uh, but no tan, mate. And, uh, well, you know, the Irish skin, man, it doesn't happen. <laughs> Factor 50, every day, all day, even at night, especially at night. <laughs> so summer in Ireland is still quite rainy and cloudy. Yeah. Yeah, it's been pretty bad. But, um, you know, you don't go there for the weather, right? You, uh, you, you don't go there for a sun holiday. So, you know, Guinness is good, though. And the whiskey. So, you know. Tastes better? Always tastes better. Doesn't travel well. That's the, <laughs> that's, that's the myth. Is that because it gets finished up before you can come home? Pretty much. Exactly. Pretty much. Pretty pretty much. much. <laughs> Roger. All right. Well, it's good to have you back, mate. Uh, long-term hiatus. But um, yeah, I guess a lot's happened, but not much has changed, I guess, from where we're seeing things right now. So before we get stuck in, we've got latest on a couple of crypto firms. I know they've been a bit hot in the news, Celsius and Three Arrows and the like. So I thought we'd just digest that a bit and sort of break that down a bit for everyone that's still a bit unsure on what's happening there. Uh, Mount Gox, to some people that means a lot, to some people that means nothing. So we'll break that down a bit as well and how it could be pretty important in the next couple of weeks and bergonomics i'm not going to say more than that no that's i don't know how to take that but uh anything with anomics on it i guess we have to listen <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah we've got we've got um, some interesting take on some inflationary measures outside of the norm so i'll um yeah we'll give a rundown on that so let's just run over some market movers and the like but right now tommy markets what's your thoughts mate oh man it's a bit we, we've seen i guess in the last you know couple of weeks actually we've seen a bit of strength bitcoin you know pushing back up to that almost hitting the 22k sitting in, sitting in the 21s to 22s which it was nice to see um i think everybody is, is still a little bit gun shy in terms of what they're doing with their investments it's very much still wait and see i mean i think the last time i was on here i probably said the same thing but it's it, it is you know it is pretty much You're consistent i am consistent i am um so you know it, it, not much has changed there I don't think people have conviction in this market around, you know, buying up strong. So I think, you know, even since we've seen that run up, even just today, we've seen a pullback again. We're sitting under 20K again. So, mm. you know, those kind of levels are, are key levels. I'm still keen on that, you know, previous all-time high from the last market. So that's, you know, your 20K mark or your 2888, I think it was. Um, so just keeping an eye on that one. And um, yeah, I mean, we've got a few, obviously, news stories that we're going to cover today that, that might affect the direction in the coming weeks yeah and i guess the main thing i'm pretty much similar sentiment like it's just almost seems like we're just skylining sideways and you know it might have a 10 percent pump one week and then down percent another 10 15 the next but um you know it's been about a month uh, of heading sideways just in this 20 to 19 if not up to 22 range so uh, the last sort of range that we were in was up and around the 30Ks. Just to give someone a bit of context, that was about 30 days as well. So we're sort of at that stage of broke down. So not saying that's indicative of anything, but in terms of time spent in the sandbox, we're kind of approaching the same sort of time horizon quite shortly. So I don't know. The bullish spin I can put on it is I think we have seen the max amount of pain. Like as in, it's been bad. Like, listen, there's no way to, to frame it. It's been a tough kind of six or eight months, right? So... Mm. You know, we've just seen constant, I guess, lower lows, quick little dead cat bounces, if you want to call it that, yeah. where we've had, you know, a, a 5 or 10% move followed by, you know, a 25% drop again yeah. the following days even. So mm. it's it's been moving pretty quickly and it's been a pretty solid bleed out, you know, for, for months on end. So I guess my take on it at the moment is that we have seen, you know, how much more bad news could we could we have got for the for the market overall? Like it's really taken a hit 
left, right and center. And personally, I believe that the worst of the deductions has has happened now. Yeah. And I, I think the one thing that might be scaring and confusing quite a few people is, you know, as much as we're seeing prices dip and go down, we're seeing some altcoins up. I think last week we had a couple that ran up two, three, four hundred percent. So, I mean, what's your take to the new person that's seeing that trying to make sense of things at the moment? To be honest, there's always going to be new projects popping up. There's, you know, people are building in these markets. For some people, this environment or some projects, this environment is perfect, you know? So we have to remember in these markets, there's new companies popping up, which is in terms of price action, you want to launch your coin in a bear market, right? When the sentiment is low, where there's the least, I guess there's the least chance of it dropping 90%, right? Like if you launch it in the top of the market, you're, you know, you're, you're taking a lot higher risk there. So, I mean, for project success, I think launching it in these types of markets, yes, the interest is down, but I, I still believe that it would be better to launch in a similar market to where we are now than, than kind of, you know, launching at the, at the top of the market, right? Cause, mm. you know, plenty of project launched back in November, just yeah. gone and look like every one of those projects are down 80, 90%. So, yeah, you know, I guess it's, way. yeah, looking at it from that way. There's been a few. One I've actually been noticing that's been quite strong is, is Matic Polygon. Yes. That's been holding up pretty well. I mean, the layer twos kind of are in the news a bit lately as well. So Polygon is that one, you know, Ethereum's obviously had its issues. Polygon is seen as that kind of, you know, solid scaling solution for Ethereum. And that's one that I have been kind of keeping an eye on. And it kind of seems to be bucking trend a little bit. Yeah. I don't know why, but it could be something to do with, I know they've come out and said, you know, Everyone's aware ETH 2.0 or whatever they want to, what's, I don't know what it's called anymore. They keep changing the, the, the project's name, but the upgrade, the major upgrade that's turning proof of work into proof of stake. There's still a lot of call out, even from the dev team and at ETH saying that's not going to fix a lot of the problems. I mean, it's going to be a big patch that's going to fix some of the scalability issues. So they're still reliant on a lot of those layer twos to remain a dominant backbone for the DeFi space and for the NFT space. It was never going to be a silver bullet. Like they never tried to sell it as a silver bullet anyway. It's, yeah. it's gonna, it's an improvement, right? Like that's why they're calling it the, you know, the, it's an improvement upgrade, right? EI, EIP, right? Mm. So yeah, I mean, it's, ETH is still, you know, as strong as ever as a project. And, mm. you know, obviously it's, it's had its decrease in price, but it's, it's not going anywhere. ETH is still that preferred platform for other projects to build on. You Absolutely. Know, today anyway. So yeah. Talking about the crypto firms, and I guess there's been a fair bit in the news in the last few weeks around Celsius is obviously a pretty, you know, a favored platform. They've got, you know, millions and millions of users. Um, three hours capital is another one. And then Voyager, which is kind of an exchange in the US, pretty popular US based exchange, actually listed on the NASDAQ, just announced it's gone bankrupt recently. Three arrows. The news coming out today is that their offices are abandoned and their founders are missing or not you know, can't find them. There's obviously, there's legal repercussions to, to everything that's happened there. And in Celsius, I think is probably the biggest name in the, in the news at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, Alex Pashinsky, high profile founder, always on Twitter talking about beating the banks and, you know, being for the men, but I guess they're obviously in, they're in trouble as well. I think it's been four and a half or so weeks since they shut down withdrawal functionality on the platform. They kind of cited liquidity issues as opposed to any solvency solvency issues. So, you know, they are paying down their loans. I think I've read something they got down to zero on their BTC owings. I'm sure there's probably bigger bigger book. Across a few different platforms, I think they've they've zeroed out now, which is, you know, it's obviously, it's hard what way to take it. Like Mm. from a Celsius users, I guess how, you know, where's the comfort that you take from hearing that they're paying down their loans? Is it a strategy for them to 
go to jail, <laughs> which is, which is kind of what the narrative has been going a few different ways. And I think that's, that's one that that's quite popular online is that, you know, they're just trying to save themselves at this stage. But I mean, it's hard, it's a hard one to call, mate. But I guess it, for me, like this whole story plays into people are just getting a, a lesson on risk mm. very, very quickly and very sharply. Yes, you can go to three arrows, Celsius, Voyager, these companies. Like I think they were spouting pretty hectic yields at the time. Decent yields um, constantly. Yeah, which was, you know, like they've been around and, you know, obviously SwiftX has an earn program. We we give out yields as well, but it's definitely a completely different mechanism that, that yeah. SwiftX use as what Celsius use. And, and it's it was all about the risk management. I mean, yeah. when the tide went out, they're kind of, you know, left dry. I, I'd imagine they didn't have the correct security processes in place or on liquidity. They weren't maintaining what, what they should have. And we mentioned earlier they had a lot of stake to eat, which is one yeah. of their one of their main holdings that is essentially locked up. Can't sell it. That's right. So they yeah. can't sell it. So if they, you know, when they do come into liquidity issues, it's essentially like a bank run. And you know, we've seen what happened with with Terra uh, earlier on in the year as well with with that bank run style. And and um, yeah, it doesn't work for anyone. Mm. Yeah, it's again like these are the kind of things I think you and I'd both agree are hallmarks of a bottom ish area where max pain is felt. Because it's not just the retail investor we're talking here. Like, there's big money that yeah. didn't exist previously. Yeah. So, a lot of institutions yeah. were connected, like top firms were connected with, you know, like three hours capital. Mm. Voyager, Nasdaq listed company. Like, these are not small businesses. This is, you know, it's, it's not been taken lightly. Mm. But at the same time, we have to look at it and be like, well, is it a net positive long term? Like, people are learning about risk. For me, that's a net positive, you know, like you get a hardware device, take your crypto off Celsius or these platforms. Like you can, I think it's all about risk management when it comes to, yeah. you know, you can have a percentage of your holdings within platforms like this, but I think, you know, it's all good until it's not, right? Yeah, so I agree. The the day, so. I think, yeah, I think it falls back to that same narrative you're sort of plugging in the sense that big money, small money, you know, however many zeros you got behind that number, there's still risk associated that only if you really understand what's what's happening, like you need to really control that risk, like you're saying. So Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I, t I touched on SwiftX, but like we do have caps per asset in place. Like that's mm. obviously liquidity management strategy to protect the customer and the business from any similar runs essentially on on liquidity, right? So mm. you're over collateralized to the to the hilt so that doesn't happen to, to mm. our business, right? So that's you know that's obviously pleasing to to be involved in that and be part of that versus, you know, you look at those other platforms, on the face doesn't look like there's any liquidity pr protection mechanisms like tiers or caps for for many of them. So yeah. you know, that's a you know maybe it's a, a quick little indicator, but it's definitely a point of difference between certain providers, I would say. Yeah. Absolutely. I guess some other big news in terms of n not so much someone that went over or under any time recently, but Mt. Gox, an exchange back in 2013 and 2014, had a massive amount of its Bitcoin stolen. Um, I know you've been sort of reading into this a fair bit. and One of my first exchanges. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah. You're kidding. Did you? Uh, yeah, I was on it. I was on it back in, back in 2013, I believe. Yeah, okay. Um, I didn't have any on it. I wasn't tied up in this case that we're about to unpack, but um, yeah. The TLDR on the situation is it was a very badly ran <laughs> crypto exchange or, or business at the time. There was a, uh, a team of hackers stealing crypto, like siphoning crypto out of the exchange for, uh, I think, almost a year. 
the founder and the owner of the exchange knew that was happening and then just kind of turned a blind eye to it, tried to patch where they could. And um, yeah, there was billions of dollars of crypto in today's prices siphoned out of the, out of the exchange at the time. So at its peak, Mt. Gox was handling over 70% of all Bitcoin transactions, which, yeah, is, right. which is crazy. Like those days, there wasn't a mass amount of options mm. anyway in the market. Like I can't even remember how I got into Mt. Gox, but I had used it at, at some stage. Um, but no, still have an account. I still get the emails into <laughs> an old spam box about, you know, the, the court case they were going through. But um, yeah, essentially the story is in 2014, 850,000 Bitcoin were, were stolen. Um, I did, that was, that's what, what was reported at the time. The majority of that was obviously customer funds. That's, you know, $18 billion of Bitcoin in today's prices. So, you know, pretty significant amount of Bitcoin. And then after that kind of story broke back in 2014, they suspended activity, filed for bankruptcy, yada, yada, did the same kind of stories we're probably seeing from some of the firms today. So it is a bit relevant to what's happening today in, in, in that the same kind of scenario is playing out. Um, they did eventually recover 140,000 Bitcoin, which in today's prices is 84 bill or something like that. So, you know, there's still a fair bit of money on, on the table there still for, for people involved. So what we've seen, eight-year legal battle, I guess the market significance of this story today is that we essentially have all those Bitcoin coming back online mm. in August. So you can kind of make your own decision as what you would do if you were one of those people that's getting your Bitcoin recovered after eight years. Do you, you know... Are you selling into 20x profit or are you <laughs> are you um, right. seeing as we're in a bear market now? Are you holding on for the sake of, you know, I guess what's happened in the last eight years? I mean, what would you do? Well, that, well, that's the ticket, right? Because they could have bought it obviously any time before that. But uh, yeah, I think the going rate around that time of the suspension was $600 a Bitcoin. So it's that's not, right. It's not a bad rate. Yeah. Return, so return. 600 to say 20 grand. We're yeah, in there today, the, so. There'd be a lot of emotion tied up in that transaction too. I think a lot of people just want to exit the pain. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Like, I mean, that's, that's my hot take. Um, well, eight, eight years of a battle to get, to get through it, right? Like, yeah. Well, I think at a minute, like I'm just thinking about what would I do? <laughs> yeah. You know, like if I had, it depends on obviously how many Bitcoins you have. A lot of people would have had a good amount of Bitcoin because mm. it was valued a lot less yeah. back then. Yeah. You'd imagine anyway. So I guess, you know, f from my perspective, what would I do? I'd probably sell a percentage of it and keep a percentage of it. So, yes. you know, I guess that would be the logical thing to do. That's going to be interesting. That's going to be very interesting because there's potentially a lot more supply coming on the market that I guess otherwise could have been gone forever, as well as some sell pressure. So, you know, two and two make four. Yeah. <laughs> that um, kind of tells you that we might, we might see a mm. bit more pain in the market, you know, because of that event, but but it's all speculation. It's all, it's all spec, right? Yeah. But I know for a fact there'll be all the on-chain analysis boys and girls out there probably trying to follow the wallets, the wallets. like they like they did back in when Luna was liquidating a lot of their wallets as well. So I mean that's that's a big difference. I mean to kind of at least try and follow the money and where it's going. So yeah, yeah that's right. And I actually said eighty-four billion a minute ago. That was uh, three billion. It should have been. Um, I was looking at another note that I have here. That's a bit <laughs> of a fun fact that says. Close to 4 million Bitcoin has been lost kind of forever to date, right? Mm. Um, that's a lot of Bitcoin. Yes. <laughs> Today's yes. prices. Um, that was the 84 billion that I was referring to. But um, basically, that's mainly from people losing their keys to their wallets, just can't get access to wallets. You know, we heard, we covered a story before about yeah. some guy in, a, in the dump trying to recover his keys from an old device he had. So, um, yeah, and that's like from today's supply, that's 20% of the entire supply is actually lost. So... 
one thing that Satoshi posted about back in the day when he was posting on Reddit forums, um, every time someone loses their coins, it takes supply off the market. So it should drive the price up, but it's kind of like the gift back to the ecosystem. <laughs> yeah. So if you're a holder, you, you kind of have that, that gift back. But yeah, it's an interesting one to call out. No, nah, absolutely. Tell me about these Borgonomics. <laughs> <laughs> now we get to move on to topic three, Borgonomics. Um, so inflation's been on every news channel that you could potentially flick onto, every newspaper, every magazine. It's filled my car up with diesel. It, it <laughs> hurt. It hurts. Yeah, yeah, it hurts a lot. It does. And um, it's a sign of the times, right? So... I think one thing some people do find quite debatable and frustrating once they start reading into the inflation debacle is that, you know, what we do get reported on is not really too encompassing of the true story. So that's usually when people say, well, inflation is not a true figure at a barbecue party. That's yeah. They're kind of relating to the fact that current inflation metrics don't take into account certain items that we're all unfortunately feeling pain on. So something like housing, the, the change in housing pricing and rent, it's basically based on a basket of goods that is long gone outdated. So, I mean, what do you do when you're, when you're not happy with the current way things are measured? Well, you kind of look at what else you can measure. So, The Economist, which is a publication that's been around for decades, started to track how much a Big Mac would cost in different cities over time. Now, Big Macs, wonder why? Well, McDonald's are everywhere. They're a cheap product. Uh, they need to be priced in for the average person. It takes into account food, labor, rent all into one tightly packaged little product. And it's funny. It is funny. It's, it, 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 it is actually very funny. But it actually, it also makes sense. Yeah. Like it actually makes perfect sense when you think about it logically, like yeah. trying to price it for the average person. Well, who's the average person these days? But it's still, yeah, it, it makes complete sense. I guess there's a, there's a collective sentiment that any inflation predictors or prices or numbers that are set are generally completely wrong anyway you know well that's it and this is just it's just another arrow for the quiver in a sense that it kind of depicts that the price of a big mac here is technically 38 percent cheaper than what it is in the u.s so it's kind of pegging that well the australian dollar right now is undervalued when compared to the u.s dollar because unfortunately the way that the world works and monetary policy works is and the way Bergonomics work, uh, a Big Mac will never probably get cheaper to make it or always just get it more expensive. But it's about where is that value for the Big Mac, yeah. essentially. <laughs> um, so I thought it was pretty interesting. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty funny. Isn't there lettuce in a Big Mac? There is. And if it's wasn't it, lettuce really expensive. Like, what was the goal? I well, it, well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it actually is pretty funny. You were away. But if you went to any of your favorite family dining restaurants or drive throughs you would have been met with no lettuce in your burger, but cabbage instead. What? Yeah, that's no. that. That was the thing. So you missed Sorry. that. Okay. I don't know if it's still a thing, but what a yeah. time to be alive! <laughs> what a time to be alive! We're replacing lettuce with cabbage now. Okay. Uh, what? Well, what's next? <laughs> oh, I don't what, know. Is that a bottom indicator or top? I want to say it's got to be something. Got to be something, surely. Yep. Jesus. Anyway, but if anything, what are we kind of doing these days in in these markets? Like, I know I've got my buy orders in, right, for the big ones. That's what I kind of do these days. I've got my strategic drops in the market. I've got those buy orders in on Bitcoin and ETH and any other asset essentially out of that is kind of just not not game at the moment. I think mm. I just don't have the conviction at the moment, but you know, that's kind of the extent of what I'm doing. Bit of staking, obviously long-term staking on those assets that, that I'm keen on and then using obviously earn for um, some of those, you know, AUD stable coins, USD stable coins, bit of Bitcoin and ETH in there as well. So like I said earlier, it's, it's really the strategy around diversification. 
You don't have everything on one exchange. You don't have everything in one earning facility. You don't have everything in one wallet. Like it's really about the diversification and that lesson on risk that people are getting pretty quickly with those kind of high profile fails that we mentioned at the start. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my strategy is not too much different, to be honest. I'm, I'm very much just in stable coins and I'm doing a bit of swing trading. So if I'm up a couple of percent, I'm just selling. Yeah. Um, just want to live in stable coins for the next little bit. And I've been dollar cost averaging two projects that I'm very just keen on and just earning on them as well, just to reduce that buy cost initially. Um, still, yeah, I still feel like there's a bit to just wait out and see, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I think not, this Mount Gox story is yeah. definitely keen to see how that plays out. Mm. Obviously, you know, there has to be a bit of sell pressure on the market coming yeah. from that, you'd imagine. So, and even more, more soon, like we do have the next Fed meeting on the 26th of July. So, we egg on about this almost every couple of months, and it's very much playing out at the moment. We did sort of speak that historically about two weeks out from these meetings. So, the date is the 26th of July. We, we do see a sell off leading into those meetings. So, that's just big money or One small money. reliable indicators left. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Just seeing how hawkish the Fed's been, like unless they're going to really say that they're getting dovish, that's the only thing that might give us some sort of reprieve for some sort of short-term rally. But, you know, usually right now what we have seen is that we get sell-off into, into that meeting and then wait for the results and then sort of make your mind up on what your plans might be after that. So yeah. be keen to see what happens there. Yeah. I so, think this market, Matt, like I've said it a few times, but this market and in these markets, like, you know, you and I have been through like a bear market at least. Yeah. I've been through probably two bear markets now at this stage. It's really is the, the, the strongest survives. Mm. It's really that, that can, mentality. Can, yeah, protecting your capital, like it's worth so much more if you can not lose exactly. 30, 40% on it while you're sort of waiting for the market to turn. I learned yeah. the, the most I know about crypto, I learned in the bear market yeah. just because you want something else to stimulate you because the price action doesn't get doesn't do doesn't it, right? do it for you so anymore. You want to try and learn about something new, yeah. And that's what this market's all about. It's all about learning. Like we we talk about SwiftX Learn platform, a lot of really good resources in there for companies like SwiftX. It's about all right, what do you build for the next run, right? So you're ready for that next run. You're oh, yeah. You're scaling. You're doing. You know. You're yeah. making these big plays. The strong should get stronger. We've said it for a while, the industry in crypto needs consolidation. I think we're already starting to see that. Mm. Big fish are eating up the little fish. Like that's that's kind of the play you've seen. Um, Binance buying businesses, you've seen FTX buying businesses. And that's these are the big players. There will be winners from this market as well. So Yeah, I agree. And and I think the big thing that we just don't know is the is what's exciting is the unknown. So like we've seen themes previously sort of I guess be the the color of that crypto run. So we've seen the DeFi theme, we've saw the metaverse theme. Yeah. I mean, I think the big the big ticket for me is just to work out what's whatever what's everyone building that's new, that's different, that's gonna sort of be the the theme for the next run. Yeah. Um, I think like if we can speculate it for a yeah. sec. Oh, okay. Like, Go ahead. Know, love a bit of speculation. Love a bit of speculation. I mean, for me it's you know, there's a lot been said these days about regulation in crypto and you know something came out earlier today about the g20 having a kind of a standardized process around regulation or standard for for countries to follow and, and i think for me there's still a lot of money on the sidelines for crypto mm. through some massive players i talked about sovereign wealth pav to you before in a few podcasts like i think there's a lot of money on the sidelines waiting for that regulation piece to come in and and maybe that's you know, a little piece of the next catalyst for the market to go. You know, we've got Bitcoin having coming up in probably what eighteen months now. Like, there's plenty of things on the horizon that are gonna, I guess, play into yep. the next move. Yeah. And until then, speculate till the cows come home. We'll be here, Matt. We'll be here we'll for be here. we'll be here chatting. Yeah. 
But thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in today. A couple of hard topics in there, but it has to be covered. Hopefully, you guys are, are doing pretty good and staying engaged in this market, what it's all about, and, and uh, continuing to learn, build that knowledge base. And yeah, until next time, we'll catch you again. Catch you later. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon. 